Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe. This is going to be episode 217 with 3D generalist and all-around awesome person, my friend Tim Zarkey. Super, super pumped that he's on the show. Um, I've known Tim for quite some time now. And this episode, usually I record the intros kind of a little ways away um, in time, basically. Um, I kind of give myself a little bit of time to reflect on the episode, but I'm recording the intro right after this conversation and I'm in this enormous head high, basically. Um, Tim is just a manifester. You're going to see this in this episode. He just sets his, uh, his goals on things and he just works towards it. He just analyzes and he just works towards it. And it's a, it's something that I know that, you know, you all know that I love that. And it's a character trait that I admire. And it's one of the things that I love sharing about this, uh, this, this podcast is sharing that mentality and that mind state with you all. Because I think that in life, it's so important to have these kind of things in your life, like earning and designing and growing and building your own realities, basically. So Tim is one of those people. He just kind of pivoted and shifted and he's been focusing on his career and now he's killing it and he's been killing it for a long time. He's incredibly talented, incredibly skilled. He has one of the most amazing classes um, on Learn Squared. It's, it's so it's uh, the wealth of knowledge in that class alone is incredible. Um, we talk a lot about the importance of his personal projects. You know, that's always a subject that's brought up in these episodes. Um, and just like there's just so many great things in this, and it's it's just a really strong episode. And I'm really excited and thankful that Tim came on and shared his journey and his story with us all. I think this is going to really resonate with a lot of people and I'm hoping it's going to resonate with you directly. It's going to give you, you know, a lot of fire basically for you. If you're, if you're, if you're worried about taking that jump or if you're worried about taking that risk on yourself or doing something that you haven't done yet, um, like listen to what we're saying because we're proof that it works. So super awesome. I'm babbling on. I apologize. Um, it, it was just an awesome episode. So let's begin, everybody. Let's begin. This is going to be episode 217 with Master Blaster himself, Tim Zarkey. Let's roll. What title are you going by nowadays? 3D artist still or what? Um, I guess my like official title right now is a 3D generalist. Um, but I don't really, <laughs> I don't know how much like titles are that valuable uh, to me right now. Um, I guess, I mean, it's cool that uh, I, I do feel like I've made a little bit of a transition uh, in my career in like the past year from being just like a strictly industrial design person to being more of like a 3d artist and someone that does a lot broader range of things during the day. Um, and I think I actually have kind of a story that I would like to tell, um, that involves the collective podcast because, um, for me, it's like a super cool thing to, uh, to be a guest on here because, uh, when I was in college, I think when I was a senior in college, um, I discovered the collective podcast for the first time and it was like one of the main things that made me even think about, you know, wanting to pursue, you know, other creative disciplines outside of industrial design. Because um, I think when I was growing up, I didn't really know sort of like the the breadth of like all of the different sort of things that you can, you know, make a living doing in the creative world. Um, I knew 
knew about like graphic design and like, you know, illustration and, um, you know, architecture and I've discovered industrial design, but I, you know, it was a very, I, I grew up in like a really small town that didn't give me like a lot of exposure to the professional design world, I guess. Mm. Although there are like a lot of artists where I grew up, um, who are making like sculptures and paintings and things. Um, but I, I went to college for industrial design because I knew that like even in high school, I was super interested in like 3D modeling and rendering and drawing. And like when I discovered what industrial design was, I was like, oh, you know, here's a way where I can go to school and learn more about 3D modeling and learn more about rendering and learn some like design fundamentals that I don't really have and then also like draw a lot and then hopefully eventually get paid to use those skills. And so for me, it was like, you know, a one to one um, sort of pathway to the things that I was interested um, in at the time, you know, going from just being somebody who spends all day drawing at home to like going off and trying to do that professionally. Um, but the thing I think that after like talking to a lot of my peers um, who I went to school with and also like in the professional world now, um, I feel like one of the things that has sort of differentiated me um, from them is that they got into industrial design like specifically because they were super interested in creating products for people like they wanted their whole motivation was like, yeah, you know, maybe they like drawing, maybe they like modeling or like making things with their hands. But like at the end of the day, like they are excited about the career path of being an industrial designer because it means that you get to actually create physical products that change people's lives in various ways. Yeah. Um, and so I never had that. Like I, I, I understood that like cerebrally I could be like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. And I can see why people are interested in doing that. But for me, it was never about that. It was always just like, this is a way for me to use these particular skills that I'm interested in using. Um, and the product side of it was always just like, uh, just the, the, you know, it could have been anything, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It didn't have to be consumer products. I wasn't really tied to to that in particular. Um, and when I realized that um, was like my senior year of college, like as I was doing my like my thesis project, which is a you know, huge amount of work and um, a lot of late nights. And, you know, I'm putting all this energy into like designing a product. and I'm realizing, you know what, I'm actually more interested in like learning about motion design right now and like trying to make some sort of, a, you know, narrative thing about this product that I'm designing. And, you know, oh, I, I, that was when I discovered the collective podcast for the first time and started listening to, you know, you talk to all these different people who are doing, you know, crazy things that I didn't realize you could actually make a career out of doing. Um, I think like one of those people that I sort of gravitated towards originally was G Monk because, you know, he was doing all of the, I guess back then, like his sort of biggest projects were like, um, the oblivion work that he did and like a lot of FUI stuff that he did for Tron. Um, and you know, I had never really thought about that as something that you could get paid to do. Although in retrospect, it's obvious, like somebody has to create those things. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that either. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so when you realize that for the first time, it like changes your world a little bit and you realize like, Oh, the, there's a lot more possibilities out there than, you know, what I previously thought. Um, and so that, just discovering your podcast and like starting to look up a lot of these other creative people who are doing really cool things, um, was kind of the catalyst for me, um, deciding to sort of throw myself into learning a lot of new things, um, outside of the industrial design world. 
Um, cause I was, I was very fortunate that like my first job out of school was like a really good job. Um, I went to work for, uh, this industrial design agency called minimal, which is um, primarily based in Chicago. Although at the time they had a little satellite office in San Francisco, which is where I was working out of. Um, and they were really cool because not only were they doing really like high end industrial design work, like the, the people there are incredibly talented, um, they're doing some of the best like industrial design work that I, I know of. Um, but in addition to that, my boss at the time really like recognized the fact that, okay, you know, Tim is somebody who's super motivated and he's going to go off and do all of these things in his free time. Um, so let's try and like take some of those things and see if we can make those things that he can do during the day as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was super grateful, um, to That's him awesome. for that because it allowed me to start to pursue like, you know, some 3d like motion design projects for work, like for actual clients, um, who would come to us and we would be designing the product for them. But then at the end of the project, they would say, Hey, you know, we're pitching this to all of our stakeholders at our company. Like we would love to, um, you know, have some kind of a video piece that we can show them to kind of illustrate, um, what the product does and why it's important and just get them excited about the design that you've created. So I had, I got the opportunity to, work on a few projects like that, which weren't like super public facing or anything, but they like gave me an excuse to learn cinema 4d and to like start figuring out how to animate things. Um, and I had no business like doing that professionally at the time. It was one of those situations where like, you're kind of just told, Hey, like, you know, it would be cool if we could do this. Like Hmm. you have this much time, like go figure it out. Um, and so I did, um, and that was super cool and it really got me, um, it allowed me like become more confident pretty quickly in, you know, just starting to explore some of these other skills outside of just designing products. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also, I was really fortunate because at the same time, um, there's just a lot of things that happened in a, you know, very timely fashion that I was just really lucky about. Um, but another thing that happened was, um, so I had previously, uh, when I was still in school, I had interned for minimal as well for four months in Chicago And when I was there, um, they had an employee named uh, Dustin Brown, who was kind of their 3D expert. Um, He he did a lot of the like, you know, high fidelity renderings and he had set up a render farm and taught everyone at the office how to use V-Ray to render all of our products, which is something that is not super common in industrial design. Most people use Keyshot. Um, So like everyone at the company kind of had like a slightly higher bar for like visualization work and rendering stuff. Um, and like a slightly higher comfort level with, you know, using a, an engine like V-Ray, which is a little more complicated. Um, and so I got to learn a lot from him when I was an intern, but then when I was joining the company full time and after I graduated from college, he had left, um, right around the same time to go work for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of created a void within the company where, you know, everyone knew how to render things nicely. Um, but we didn't have any one person who you could point to and be like, oh, you know, that's our 3D rendering specialist and that's our, you know, 3D motion guy. Um, so I kind of took it upon myself to take that opportunity to become that person. Um, even though in the beginning I didn't really know how to do any of those things and definitely wasn't able to do them at the level that he could have. Um, but because he had left, um, you know, it just kind of created an opportunity for me to, to try and do some of those things for the company, um, which, you know, it was really cool and I was super excited about it. And even though I didn't really know what I was doing, I just kind of threw myself into it and, and spent a lot of time outside of work, just, you know, doing grayscale guerrilla tutorials and <laughs> things like that. Um, yeah. you know how it is. 
yeah. learning Octane. Um, that was also around the time when I discovered Learn Squared for the first time um, and started taking your UI class. Hmm. Um, and That's so we that, exactly, right. So, you know, I was starting to explore like creating abstract stuff in cinema that, you know, had nothing to do with um, industrial design or products. Um, and that was a super cool experience. And um, yeah, and it was great to, you know, connect with you as a result of that and, and get involved with Learn Squared a little bit more. Um, Just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> your class on um, there is, I don't even know how to explain the value of your class on there. It's how transparent you are and how much you share and just the, the, the breadth of knowledge that's expressed in that class alone. It's like, for me, it's, it's crazy. I, I just, a lot of the classes on there are like that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like, wow, what an amazing time if you're ever curious or wanting to be better and are wanting to have a career, um, in this industry or just in, in any creative industry in general, like, <laughs> yeah, like imagine the amount of hours and time and money and effort with that must've been spent that you had a, that you basically summarized <laughs> in your class. You know, it's crazy. You could yeah. literally take your class and have a really strong foundation and walk into any studio and really have a good grasp. You'd be like, Hey, this is me, you know? Oh, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, it's I'm true. really happy. <laughs> I speak the truth. I, I don't kiss ass on anybody unless I feel it's, it's worthy. And your class is, is one of those classes. It's just like, it's so good. Like, it's like, it's really powerful. Um, well, thank you so much. I think yeah. like one of the reasons why I was super excited um, to have the opportunity to make it is just because I feel like, well, there's two problems, I think, um, that I was trying to sort of address in my own little way. Um, I think one of the problems is just the fact that, um, industrial design education is like not very accessible. Like it, you have, you kind of have to go to like a, you know, four year university program in order to actually get the knowledge that you need, um, to be, you know, competitive in the industry, I guess. It's just, it's one of those, it's one of the few like creative industries I feel like these days where it's like still really difficult to learn what you need to know online. Um, I feel like now with 3d, especially like you can, you know, there's so many just classes available online that you can take. And if you're motivated enough, you can kind of absorb all the information that you need. And of course, like there's still like so much more that you're going to learn when you actually start doing work professionally. But, um, I feel like you can kind of get the foundational skills, um, through a lot of these like online classes now. Mm -hmm. Um, but for industrial design, like that doesn't really exist. And, it's like still one of those disciplines where, you know, people kind of expect you to go to a university and, you know, put in the time and do internships, which are super valuable, of course. Um, but I just feel like it's not, if you don't have a lot of money or you're not really sure if it's the right decision for you to make, mm-hmm. um, to make that investment, to do that, um, or, you know, whatever your circumstances are, there's all kinds of reasons why that might not be the right thing for you to do. Um, it's just a really hard thing to get into. So I, I wanted to kind of create the class like one, because, you know, I wanted to have something that I could point to and be like, Hey, here's, you know, something that you can use to kind of understand what industrial design is and kind of what the process looks like and some of the skills that are involved, you know, without having to go spend tons of money and four years of your life at, uh, at a university. Not that that isn't valuable. It's super valuable. Yeah, um, totally. I am yeah. super glad that I did that. And it was awesome. Times are changing um, though. It's a, it's, but yeah, it's a, yeah, it's quite a I shift. Think, yeah. I think having alternatives is, is really helpful. Um, and the other reason why I wanted to create the class is because 
a lot of students that I talk to who are studying industrial design right now or have just graduated and are getting into the industry, um, they're having a really difficult time being competitive because I think that the like industrial design is like a really small industry and there's a lot of, I mean, it's just, it's really competitive. There's only so many job openings. A lot of the studios are really small. Um, and the, the bar for like what constitutes good work is really high. Um, and I feel like a lot of the universities out there that are teaching <clears throat> industrial design right now, um, aren't necessarily doing the best job preparing students for the real world. Um, I feel like the, the, university that I went to, um, which is, uh, the university of Cincinnati. Um, they have a college there called DAP. Um, it was a five year program. And the reason it's five years long is because you spend a year and a half of it doing internships. They force you to like start doing internships really early. And it's kind of expected that everyone Smart. is going to do like four of them before you graduate, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, so by the time you're done, like, you know what the industry is like and you know what you need, like what skills you need to have in order to be successful in it. And you've ideally been to a bunch of different companies and you can kind of see the differences between how they all work. Um, and that's super helpful to actually land a job afterwards. Um, that's how I, you know, landed my job with minimal is just because, you know, I got the opportunity to work there as an intern and, the internship that I had before minimal, like referred me to them. So I would never have, you know, had that opportunity without, um, you know, doing all these internships in school. Um, and so I feel like there's a lot of other colleges out there that like, number one, they don't require you to do, uh, nearly that many internships, you know, students might do one or maybe two if they're lucky, but it's, it's usually like on, um, usually the students have to kind of do most of the work themselves to, um, you know, take it upon themselves to do that. It's not like the school is like requiring it of them. Um, and two, I think that a lot of the actual, um, professors who are teaching industrial design, um, you know, I had, I had a lot of great professors in school, but a lot of professors out there are, they've been out of the industry for a long time because they've been teaching. Yeah. And so they don't really have a solid grasp on kind of how it's changed and sort of what skills are, you know, required to be successful right now. Yeah. It's such um, a rapid, it's such a rapid industry. Exactly. That if, you, so, if you're out for one year, you're absolutely obsolete in many ways, you know? Unfortunately. Yeah. And also yeah. it's just like, you don't get a good sense without actually going out and working in it. Um, just like the way the companies operate and like some of the sort of information that you need to know about, you know, manufacturing, for example, or how to work with clients. Um, you just, there's not a lot of, um, opportunity to get that information in a school setting. Um, just because like I said, the professors have been out of the industry for a while or, um, you know, just have kind of outdated ideas about sort of what's going on, or maybe they only worked at, you know, a particular type of company. And so they don't really know how to prepare students to go to, you know, a small agency that's working with lots of different clients. Um, so there's all, all these different reasons why I think it's really hard to get into the industry right now. Um, and so my, I wanted my class to also just kind of share with students my perspective on, you know, things that I've learned from, you know, interning at four different companies and then also, you know, working for, um, an agency that, you know, is doing pretty cutting edge work and, you know, working with lots of different clients and lots of different industries. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, it was valuable for that reason. Um, yeah, I found it incredibly valuable and it's cool. Like, um, I think you brought up a lot of things here and I'm, t I'm taking notes as you were going, but sure. 
I, I want to definitely backtrack to some things that you might have missed this when you're listening to this. It's like something that's really important to me is um, you you stopped and you reevaluated and you pivoted and you shifted at a time when most people probably just go along with it because their parents said so or their friends said so or they're not sure. So I admire that because I'm very much the same and I get a lot of questions about this like, you know, hey, uh, I'm, I'm doing this thing. I'm not really happy or I have a lot of creative block or I have a lot of strife or issues with me. I'm like, the, all, that does, all that means is you're just not being genuine with yourself. You know, and so you pivoted and shifted and you're like, well, I, I like this, but I don't like it as much as, you know, say motion design or something. So mm-hmm. that's really good. And it's good that you did that because um, I think it's something I learned from quite a few people. One of them that comes to mind now is I think it was Nick Campbell that said it a long time ago on a podcast that he was doing. And he was saying that, like, it's actually more harmful to do something that you shouldn't be doing because, like, not only are you not wanting to do it, but then you're taking that job or opportunity away from somebody that does want to. And That's I never really even thought of that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of it more like, you know, selfish kind of like insular kind of way. Yeah. Um, so that's really good. It's really important. I think it's very <clears throat> valuable and incredibly important to pivot and shift and reevaluate and ask yourself, like, does this make me happy? Am, am I fulfilled right now? Because life is really short and it's, it's really important to get the things that you want out of life. Because I think if you, if you don't, it could be, it's just, it's just really, it's never good. I think it just adds up to just a lot of crap, you know? So. Yeah. But at the same time, like I understand why people don't, because it's really scary sometimes to admit to yourself that like, Oh, this thing that I've been doing and that I sunk a lot of money into and spent a lot of time on isn't making me happy. Like, how am I, you know, how do I, move forward while, you know, without losing that investment that I've made. Um, but at the same time, like you, you kind of have to, if you want to, if you want to be happy. Um, but maybe, maybe I could talk a little bit more about that because, um, that's it, right. It's like, you have to ask yourself, do I want to be happy? And then if your answer is, (laughs) yeah, then well then, you know, then your answer is pretty clear, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think for me, like happiness in, like my career has mostly just been, has come from constantly trying to learn new things. Um, and I think that was part of why I wanted to kind of expose myself to, you know, learning Cinema 4D and Octane and more about, you know, the 3D art side of things and motion design. Um, I, I was just really curious. And, you know, when I started to discover all these super talented people through your podcast, you know, it just made me really hungry to like want to, understand, you know, what some of these other creative processes are like and what the tools they're using are like. And, um, thankfully a lot of it is actually super accessible. Like it's really easy to learn, uh, cinema and octane and stuff like that just because there's so many tutorials online. And now with, you know, you can get a subscription for cinema 40 and it's relatively affordable. And, um, I feel like Finally, it's, there's yeah. no better time to like start learning it now if anyone's listening and is interested. Um, But I think like for me, you know, it's always just been like I've always been motivated to just like get myself out of my comfort zone and like learn new ways of doing things or explore different creative disciplines because that's just what keeps me excited about creating things. Um, So I think even like even since I've, you know, pivoted to to doing, you know, more um, like product visualization and more 3D stuff professionally, 
like on the side, I'm still like trying to get out of my comfort zone and learn other things. Like, um, I spent about five or six months out of this year, um, working on a side project in unity. Cause I wanted to create, well, I guess when I took this job at Oculus, which is where I work now, um, you know, I'm surrounded by people who are, you know, working in unity and building sort of interactive prototypes and so cool. experiences that you can actually, you know, you build something and then you put on a headset and you go experience it. And it's amazing to be able to like have created a thing and then get to go interact with that thing. Um, it's like a really, just a cool, uh, a cool thing for me, I think. So I got really inspired by that and I went off and tried to learn how to use unity and learn some programming in C sharp, um, to try and sort of explore an idea for a, um, just kind of a creative tool that I wanted to build for myself. And, you know, maybe eventually I'll release it to other people once it's in a good state, but it's mostly just something that I felt like would be really useful for me to have in my own work. Um, cause I, I, I kind of identified a problem that I was having, which is that, um, I have a hard time like conceptualizing like how to build environments. I have a really easy time with like objects, like, you know, a vehicle or a product or, you know, something very self-contained. Um, but I have a hard time like un getting myself into like a flow where I can build environments really easily. It's something that just is challenging for me. So, but I really like games where you can build things that are more environmental, like Minecraft, for example, you know, everything's made out of blocks. And so, because it's made out of blocks, like it's very easy to be creative. You don't have to think about building everything from scratch. Um, you can kind of use this library of uh, existing pieces to make things out of, and it takes a certain elements of pressure out of the creative process. I think, mm. um, I, I think it's one of the reasons why I enjoy like Lego so much is because, you know, you're working within this system of constraints. You have these existing pieces and the creativity comes from how you put them together. Um, and so I always find that stuff really fun. And so I thought, well, you know, what if I make my own little sort of building tool that I can use a library of parts that I've created myself um, and then I can create this very like easy sort of interactive experience to be able to assemble them together into buildings or, you know, more complex environments and things like that. So almost like, you know, uh, I don't want to compare it to Minecraft because like Minecraft is an extremely successful, like massive game. And what I'm making is just this little prototype, but it's, you were it's saying. coming so you're from saying you're making the place. next, you're, ne you're making the next Minecraft no. and it's going to be better. <laughs> that's what you're telling me. Definitely okay. not. So Tim's um, making a better Minecraft. Okay. So it's noted now. No, I know you're joking, but it's, um, I just giving you, you know shit. I mean. Yeah. I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's like, it was one of the hardest projects I've ever decided to do because, you know, programming mm -hmm. is hard and you have to like teach yourself an entirely new way of thinking. Um, in addition to just like learning a new piece of software. Um, but it's also like one of the most rewarding things to figure out like systematically how to make something work and then to actually get to experience it afterwards, um, mm -hmm. as it comes together. Um, Real time too. Cause you've, you've done a little bit of, um, side projects relating to games, right? I feel like, yeah, I was supposed to have like a pretty big project that was going to be special with unity. And I think it fell through. I don't know. I don't know what happened with it, oh, unfortunately. No. Yeah. That's so I, I guess I have to talk with them about it, but, um, projects, it's a bummer. Projects come and go and they shift and there's all like, they're all over the place. And, um, it's a lot, a lot of it's out of my control, but, right. um, yeah, I had kind of designed this thing for them and I wish, I wish it, 
I don't know what happened with it. Honestly, I kind of got upset about it because I was like, man, I put all this time and effort and I thought it'd be great. And then when things don't work out my way, I kind of go like, well, on to the next thing and kind of shut it out, you know? So for sure. And there's so many things. Up. Yeah. If I'm not willing to sit there and like do it all myself, then I have to be willing to like deal with the disappointment of it, not landing where I want it to be. So sure. And I'm, which of, is really difficult. So yeah, I'm always of the mindset of like wanting to do everything myself and then being, yeah. limit, and being really limited by that because I'm only one person. And I can only, you know, I'm, I'm not a programmer. I'm not an expert on the game engine, but you know, to me, like that's part of the fun of it. And it's almost like, it's almost not even about the final result. Like it's almost just enjoying the process of learning how to do something new, um, and creating something. hundred so. percent. I love that. I admire that. And that's the same way I am, but then you run into this weird part where like, there's a, when you want to get something bigger done, you kind of hit this wall where you're like, Oh shit, yeah. I really need to collaborate with people that are better and, than me. Yeah, I should, I should, I need to teach myself to be more open to that. Um, cause I feel like I kind of it's am tough. a little bit of a hermit and just like <laughs> sit in my room and, and build things myself. But then, you know, there's a lot of limitations, um, that come as a result of that. So I guess it all depends on what you want to get. I think you are an army and as one and same with like, I put you in the same kind of realm as what I would consider like Raul Marx is one of those kind of people where you guys can do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a really good comprehension and understanding of how to make things great which is that's usually the the big problem i find for everybody is that like there's a point where you're like oh this is good and a lot of people can make good work and that's when you get it to 98 percent. but there's very few people willing to crunch like you know it's the the last two percent is like the the 500 percent of effort Mm -hmm. you know and it's like oh i really need to understand like the shading and like all these things and and all the details and and I'm not satisfied with that material and I got to push it harder and I really got to understand these things. And that's like, it's kind of a, it's a really, it's kind of a rare trait, honestly. Um, I think we're seeing it more now than ever because the internet puts it all in our face. And sure. I think a lot of people just feel overwhelmed that there's like supreme talent everywhere, but it's, I'd say there's not that many amazing talents out there. There's some, there's some, there's some amazing talents. And then there's like a lot of like, oh yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. But the the amazing ones, they, they're 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 almost like big movies, I guess. You know, like I just saw Joker, and I was like, "Whoa, this thing!" I, have you seen it yet? Not yet, but um, okay, I I'm looking talk forward to it. it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about it yet. But it's you really need to see it. Everybody needs to see that movie, especially in the theater. Go support it, um, literally, because it's these movies. They're they're like they're like talent. They're they're very. I haven't seen a film like that that pushed me that hard since like there'll be blood or no country for old men that I can remember. Maybe nocturnal animals. I don't know, but it was on a level. Yeah. It was on a whole other level. So I don't want to overhype it, but I don't think I can. So that's how good it is. So. But, but I, um, I, I, yeah. I love getting um, just inspired by great movies. Um, one that I'm really looking forward to seeing that I haven't seen yet is uh, it's called parasite. Have you heard of that one? No, it's by a South right. Korean director. Um, trying to remember his name, but um Oh, I think it's the same director that did uh, Snowpiercer, if you saw that. Oh, um, interesting. But anyway, it's it's one of those movies that's like, because it's a, a South Korean film, it's hard to see in the United States. And I think they're just now starting to, uh, to screen it in theaters here. So I'm trying to keep an eye out for it. Do you like Korean films? Um, I mean, like not in any particular way, other than there's a lot of really talented uh 
Korean directors that seem to be producing really good things. Um, you got a Korean my, director fetish going on there? <laughs> Confessions. Well, no, there's another there's another um, Korean movie that I saw earlier this year called Burning. Have you heard of that one? Uh, yes, I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, thought, I have a hard time finding, like, I really want to watch all these movies, but like. Oh, dude, that one's on Netflix. It's is like it? Okay. flying under the radar on Netflix, but Let you can me, watch it uh, anytime. Netflix, Burning. Okay. Because <laughs> I really enjoy the lens of Korean filmmakers. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's so unique. Um, yeah. Burning is great because it's like, the, I guess the title is sort of implies this, but it's like a very slow burn of a movie. Um, it gets started very gradually and the way that they evolve, um, the, the story over time and kind of shift your perception of all of the characters, um, is really sophisticated and, and super just, inspiring. I thought it was one of the better movies that I've seen this past year. So I would recommend it to anyone. Yeah. I love a good movie. Like watching a really great movie, just, it, it like reminds me why I create, it's one of my muses for, for sure. Mm -hmm. Because I think that like, I was explaining it to a friend the other day. I was saying like movies are like movie motion picture with like stories are like it's that's the highest most complicated art form of all time i think yeah i think it's, that like it's the, video it's the games Everest. are starting to approach yeah. that as well these days um, that's true yeah. i'm also i mean in some ways i think making a great like story driven video game is even more difficult than making it's a true. film because they're longer they're multiple dimension too it's yeah a multiple dimension of interactivity yeah exactly like you can have branching plot lines and you know, consider the decisions that the player is making and how that influences the story. Um, and like just the quality, like the level of quality in terms of like voice acting and motion capture and all of these things has just gone skyrocketed in like the past couple of years. Um, um, there's a, a a video game that's coming out next month called death stranding, which is, um, made by Hideo Kojima, who, um, it's like FedEx of of the future, baby. Yeah, he's just like one of my favorite creators. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, to playing that game because I think it's going to be really interesting. He's a unique, uh, he's a unique guy, man. I, For sure. His games, his games have this like, they're kind of like the, um, I think it might be the Western le- lens on Japanese culture that really intrigues us. I don't know if that's it. I don't know, like, um, because like, I feel that, um, I get, I get that feeling when I watch like Ghibli's films, you know, like it's like, Oh wow, this is a same with Korean films. I think it's that position of that, that difference of perspective, which makes it so interesting for me. Mm-hmm. It does. But yeah, I'm, I, I watched the whole like hour long gameplay and stuff. I was like, wow, this is cool. Like <laughs> it's like FedEx of the future with like, and oh, there's like all these like interesting little extra pieces and stuff. Like it was definitely interesting. Um, yeah, it's definitely a film that I'm looking forward to. Not a film, a game that I'm looking forward to playing because I think I have a PlayStation. I bought all these games and I bought a PlayStation. I never <laughs> play it. I'm so horrible. Have I'd you, much um, rather just work on things and make for my own sure. games. So, um, have you played um, God of War, the most recent one? No, I haven't played it. I have it too, though. <laughs> That's a really good one. That's it's it's nice because it's relatively short. Um, it's not like a huge time investment to to play through it. So. Oh, that's good. Um, and it's very cinematic in the way that they present it. Um, I think you would probably enjoy it. Well, I played two games and I was like, well, I guess that's it. Uh, <laughs> I played uh, Inside, which was absolutely brilliant. Mm. That game is brilliant. 
Mm-hmm. And then I played Journey, which was also equally br- brilliant. I mm-hmm. was like, well, I've never pl- I've never played a game. I don't even know how to call it a game, especially Journey is more or less, a, it feels like an experience. I've never played something like that before. Mm-hmm. Usually games frustrate me, and I think that's pr- the problem why I don't play them that much because I'm already having to use, like, computers and that shit dr- makes sure. me frustrated already, you know? So, sure. like, I think... There are different kinds of games for different kinds of people, depending on what type of an experience um, you enjoy the most. Like my my roommate is super into gaming, but he just enjoys games that have like a really intense element of like challenge and like trying to figure out all the nuances of the game mechanics and stuff like that. Um, Whereas I'm more just looking for like a cool story, like a cool interactive story um, that Mm -hmm. I can experience. So... Yeah, there's a lot of that. I'm big into that too. Um, I've had a couple games that I developed or worked on and kind of come to life with it. And this, as soon as I can, I think the problem is, is my, my, my time is so shifted. Like I put, I'm putting a lot more, I'm doubling down on film and all that kind of stuff in the storytelling of film. But as soon as I can really go back and do this stuff with the game stuff, I think it'll be it'll really work out and I think it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to that someday. But yeah, <laughs> it's because it, I mean the, the, the truth and the honesty is if you decide to get into games, want to make games, it's a 10 year pursuit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> That's why I mean 10 years is like, it's going to take 10 years to bring something like in right. my opinion to like, that's worthy. Right. Like I, um, I spent six months on like my shitty little prototype. So I definitely, know I, yeah. I definitely understand what you're talking about. Um, of course I, you know, I, learn to code in the process, which is a whole nother thing, uh, on its own. But, um, there's another thing I wanted to talk about, which is, um, you know, I I was talking earlier about how, you know, I'm constantly trying to, you know, put my brain into, you know, different kinds of challenges or like learn different things that are outside of my comfort zone. Um, and one thing that I'm doing this month, um, which is also like a new thing for me is, um, I'm taking a month long class on music production, Mm, um, which is like, I've always been super just passionate about music and I listen to music all the time. Um, but I never, my, my, my family is even like, you know, pretty into music. Like my dad plays acoustic guitar and he's in a band and they practice all the time. Um, my mom and her grandparents are into piano or not her grandparents, but her parents, my grandparents. Um, but anyway, so I never really learned an instrument when I was a kid, even though I had plenty of opportunities to do so. Um, so now as an adult, I'm like, oh man, you know, I really wish that, you know, music was more a part of my life in terms of something that I can actually create. Um, especially when you're, I I think it's really when you create a lot of visual things all the time as your job, um, or as your passion, the desire to like want to accompany them with sound is really kind of an obvious connection. Um, and of course, you know, you can, you can involve people who are, you know, incredibly talented at, you know, creating music and doing sound design. And if you're doing like a big film, that's probably the the right decision. But I think for me, you know, it's just another one of those things where I'm like, Oh, you know, I just want to learn about that. And I want to like get some hands-on experience. Um, trying to see, you know, how, how music is created and what the tools are like. And, you know, is, is it something that appeals to me or not? Um, so I'm, I'm taking this month long class, which is like an online class, um, that kind of covers a really wide range of, of topics in music production. 
Um, and we're on, I think it's about, I'm about a third of the way through it right now. We are close to finishing like the first project, which is like, you know, creating one complete song for the first time. Hmm. Um, and it's been such a cool experience. Um, I've been super busy, so it's been hard for me to focus on it, but, um, it's like very meditative. I'm finding, Hmm. um, it's like, you know, sitting down and like, you know, turning off all the lights and just opening up the, you know, I use Ableton, which is the software and and just listening to to different instruments that you can use and trying to kind of come up with patterns and, you know, ways that they relate to one another to create different kinds of emotions. Um, it's super, um, I'm finding it to be super fun. It's very challenging, but, um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. Hmm. What? So it's an online class. Yeah, it's, um, there's this website, if anyone's interested, um, the name of the school is Learn Monthly. It's mm. like learnmonthly.com. Um, and the class that I'm taking is taught by this guy named Andrew Huang, who is like a, he's like a pretty well-known like music YouTuber. Um, so he has like a YouTube channel where he um, creates a lot of videos about, you know, electronic music production and he'll create videos about, you know, different tools that he's trying out or he'll do like you know, interesting sort of challenges, um, to create, you know, songs out of weird, you know, weird recorded sounds or, um, you know, collaborate with other people to create kind of funny music projects. Um, but he, he's just like a really energetic guy. And I think he's also super knowledgeable and he's one of those people that has like tried like every facet of the music production process. Um, so he knows like, you know, how to create purely electronic music, like how to record vocals and instruments um, how to, you know, do sound design and like, you know, record stuff from real life and turn it into the music. Um, so it's really cool to, um, to learn from him because he has, I think a similar sort of fascination with like trying out all of the different tools and techniques and experimentation and how there's kind of like no right or wrong way to do things sometimes. Um, so it's, it's really cool. Um, I think it's a good class for anyone who's like, interested in learning more about music, but kind of doesn't know where to start, which is exactly the situation that I'm in. Um, (laughs) Beautiful. I got, I actually, I actually bought Ableton and I also have the push. It's sitting in the box right next to me. (laughs) Nice. And the problem is, uh, this is, this is good that we're talking about this and I love that you do this. And again, to touch on the point again, to push it home is, you're continually wanting to grow and desire different, cha- like just, it's so good for a visual artist to learn music. I, I played, um, in, in high school and for about eight years I played bass and I played it. Like I was really obsessed with it. Like more, just as much as I am with like art and design now, mm-hmm. um, I would play bass all day long. I get home from school and all I would do is just sit there and jam and I would watch, all the videos and I'd play all them songs and I'd make my own music and I really pushed it to the extreme. Then I had to give up that dream because it wasn't going anywhere because I didn't have the right band or the right sound or whatever. And it was really heartbreaking. Then I went into art and I did that. But now like I have a, um, I don't know if you're similar, but I, when I hear something, I could play it. Like I, any instrument, I know where it is. Yeah. Like, it took me a second and then I can find it. <laughs> Well, I love music. I think that it's something that it's definitely like, it's, it's a very deep connection to me. And I've mm-hmm. all, I always, I've always listened to music and, and I really appreciate music and the tape, my taste in music is really interesting, I guess. I don't know, but I picked up this Ableton and I was like, oh, I gotta, 
I really want to start making my own music. And then I started to try and use Ableton and I got lost in just the enormity of it, I guess. Yeah. It's a pretty deep program. Um, I've yeah, been struggling with it a little bit too. Okay. Well, if you're struggling, I feel better because you like <laughs> take on all the programs like with ease, it seems. And it really upsets me because you're just like, yeah, I learned Houdini and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what the heck, man? How dare you? No, I know you don't say it like that, but like your ability to just go in from the outside, I'm sure it's probably not exactly that, but it, it seems like you're just rocking it out like, and you are open to it. So it's good to know that you're kind of struggling with it. And maybe that is, you think, so I think the thing I was trying to find is like, maybe there's a class that I can take that will get me like at least started in the concept of like, this is where you start because once I can roll, then it's, it's game over. I can just add layers and play and move and compose. And because I love that, like I love, it's similar to like painting or editing or something. I love that part, but there's a barrier of entry. And I think the problem was, is I was like, I bought the Ableton on a whim and then I was and, and the push. And I was like, I'm going to fucking make music again. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, just all kinds of shit happened. Yeah. No life gets in the way. You I, know? Um, so. I understand what you're saying completely because I did the exact same thing. Like a couple, I don't know, like six months ago or something. I also bought Ableton and like, I have a, um, there's a company called teenage engineering that makes really cool music devices. I have, uh, this device called an OP one, which is like a synthesizer that they make, which is really cool. It's like one of my favorite products in general. But, um, you know, I I bought these things and like I was playing around with them, but I just felt like I don't know how to start. And I feel like that's the hardest part sometimes is just, you need somebody to like hold your hand through like the first steps and like show you like, you know, here's how, here's sort of the fundamentals of like music theory. Like here's how you open the software. Like here's, you know, how I would begin to create a song and kind of lay out all the sort of the structure and, and layer things on top of each other. And, oh, by the way, you need to push this button over here to like use the mixer and so on and so forth. And it's just it's so good for a teacher to have to put themselves into that early st- student mindset. Yeah, too. yeah. Yeah. I love I love this class so far because it's designed for people of like any any skill level to um just be able to, to get in and, and start making things, um, which is exactly what I want to do. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. And I feel like now I'm, I'm starting to feel like my investment in these things is going to be worth it after all. <laughs> yeah. That's um, freaking awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to check out this class. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you a link to it afterwards. But, um, I remember like, um, my friend, William Eubank, I've had him on here. He's the director and, and he, I think after we were doing wrapped on doing um, underwater together, he was telling me that he was back in school and he was like taking, I forget what it was. He was taking some sort of like music class. And I was always like intrigued by that. I was like, that's so cool. Like, cause he's a feature film, like full on director, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, that's so rad that he's going off and like pursuing music. And like, that's an interest of his and like, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I think it's really valuable not only to other people, but to yourself, especially as a teacher or like a leader or like somebody high up is to, to put yourself in those situations. And the cool thing is, is you can fail privately, you know? Right. So, you don't have to like, <laughs> yeah, publish like look at my new track. You make. Um, yeah. That's been my problem. I actually had this epiphany today. Maybe you can relate to it or maybe there's somebody else as well that can relate to it. But like, um, I just finished a, a project. It might be out by the time this podcast. So I'm not sure. 
Um, but it's basically about how I see jujitsu. I've been doing jujitsu for about six years now, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's a, I don't, have you ever done it before? I have not. Um, I'm like not very coordinated physically. So it'd probably be a good thing for me. (laughs) (laughs) There's another thing. Don't do too many things that aren't good for you just yet. Cause then you'll die. You're like, you're going to hate life. So, right. But, um, yeah, there, I, for the six years I've been doing it, there's this really, there's a thing that happens to your mind and there's this weird beauty that happens. And, um, this, it's kind of like this full mind and body release and it's a really beautiful thing. And I've been trying to figure out like, how, how can I express this to, to people that don't know what it is? Cause people often ask, what is it? And I say, well, it's like really technical wrestling with like submissions and stuff. And that's kind of what people understand a little bit more about it. But anyways, I, uh, went off and I did this project with, um, all these incredible athletes and, um, just, it's like a small production, but it was decently sized and a bunch of friends and it was amazing. And the shoot went incredible. And I learned so much about production and shooting and using all my cameras and my lenses and everything and like really putting it to its test. And mm-hmm. I realized <clears throat> I just finished it today. I was, that's before we were rend- before we were talking, I was just rendering it out. So, <laughs> and I was talking with Anthony cause Anthony did the score for it. He absolutely amazing score. Mm-hmm. And I was, I always seek his approval when we collaborate because I don't want, like I, my main goal is to, to appeal our piece to my collaborators first and then myself, and then then everything else doesn't really matter. I just kind of okay, right? Words, you know, if those things are taken care of, then the rest is probably going to be good, anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he and he he's he's got a high level. So and so, and I was telling him like it's this is what my getting to my point here, but I was saying it's been so crazy. Um, like, like I've never, I haven't had a chance to fail really in that space because I. I'm already at a pretty high level in the rest of my career. So right. I can't go like to photography and just suck. I can't to videography. <laughs> There's and a lot of pressure, right? So much pressure. I was realizing, I was like, you know, what's interesting is I haven't had the years of just messing around. Like most people I think have with this stuff where they're like, they've been making small short films or filming for a long time. This is literally the the second thing that I've ever really shot. And uh, I edited it with my buddy, Frank because I love editing with him because we have objectivity and we pass things back and forth, but a big chunk of it was edited and it's, it's like, um, it's really rewarding and also very stressful because <laughs> I'm like, well, I can't fuck up, you know, I got to really, it's gotta be great. It's gotta be great. Yeah. Do you deal with that? Oh, absolutely. Um, hmm. I think especially, you know, I'm, I'm very confident when it comes to, um, you know, making beautiful images of products, which is like my, my day job. Um, it's what I was hired to do. And I feel like I can do that pretty well, um, without any, you know, having to stress out about it too much. Um, but I think that like with all of my other creative pursuits, like, you know, Houdini or music or unity stuff or anything else, like I always feel like, you know, I, I I have this habit of putting myself in situations where I am like a complete beginner and like still am like anxious to create something that I'm going to be proud of, um, which, you know, is somewhat unrealistic sometimes because, you know, it takes years for most people to practice these things and get to a place where, you know, they can create things at a really high level. Um, so I've, I've kind of had to just be okay with like sucking at stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, be okay in the shit. 
Yeah. yeah, for me, it's just like it has become about the process and just enjoying the process. And if you enjoy like being challenged and, and learning things, um, then you don't really have to. I don't know. I don't I don't feel a lot of pressure necessarily to share all of the things that I'm working on all the time, because, you know, if I'm just doing it for me because I'm enjoying the process of learning something, then that's that should be enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I shouldn't have to, like, feel pressure to put it on Instagram or, you know, wherever else. Um do you I feel think, pressure to, 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 cause you're pretty active on social media. Yeah. I've, I love when you post, I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> how can I heart this more? Well, thanks man. Uh, I feel the yeah. same way about you. Oh. Um, I, I feel like I've changed my perspective on social media or at least on Instagram since, I don't know, maybe over like the past year or two. Um, cause I think when I was first starting, like, you know, when I was taking your class originally on learn squared and like just starting to learn cinema 4d and, just starting to learn Octane and Houdini and all these things, like I felt like I felt a lot of pressure to post things on a regular basis. Um, This was when like, you know, everyone was doing every days and like, you know, just pumping all this crazy stuff on Instagram all the time. And I felt like, you know, I'm learning a lot and like every day I'm sitting down and and creating something just like doing a tutorial or, or whatever. And you know, it felt it feels good to like have something at the end of your night to share with people, even if, you know, it was just something that you made from from some like, you know, basic tutorial or something. So I, I like posted stuff almost every day when I was, you know, getting started just because I was doing so much and learning so much and looking back at it, like none of it's very good. It's all just like super basic stuff. Um and now I it's feel like, like building blocks though, right? Yeah. Like it, it's actually kind of cool to look back and sort of see your, your trajectory as you've, as your skills have improved over time. Um, but I think that like now it's the, the problem with having that mentality, I think is that it, to me, it almost feels like it can be detrimental to wanting to work on like longer term projects, which I think is something you're really good at. Like, you know, you know, it takes a lot of time to make something that's worthwhile and it takes a lot of energy and effort. And so you're okay with like, you know, working on projects without showing a whole lot of stuff about them until you're ready to actually release them. Um, and I feel like I've had to like develop that same mentality, although I think you still do it better than I do. Um, Mm about like, you know, if I want to make something that's really worthwhile, like I need to like be able to just work on it for a few weeks or however long it takes, um, before I'll have anything worth sharing. And so I, I tend to not post stuff as regularly now. I still post a lot of like little experiments and things because I'm always messing around in Houdini and stuff like that. And if I come up with something cool, I'll share it. But, um, in terms of like longer term projects, I'm trying to be better about, you know, just putting my head down and, doing the work that I need to do and then sharing stuff, you know, when the time is right. Um, and I think that feels better because then, you know, the stuff that you're sharing is more meaningful and, you know, is usually better and, and, you know, more thought out and so forth. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to develop that mindset. (laughs) Yeah. It's a real tough one. I was talking to somebody about the other day and I think that like the whole everyday uh, mentality is great, but I think for me, it's like, I do every day's they're just add up to a bigger amount. Right. But, exactly. Like yeah. every day so you're I putting have in like, that time yes. and it adds up. And I would rather, I would rather show something that took me a year or me and a friend a year or a team a year or two right. years that has like enough every days to fulfill <laughs> like, you know, like three months worth of content than um, kind of reveal like weird odd tests and kind of dilute 
who I am and what I'm doing, you know? So I think I looked at it more or less like the end game goal, I think, you know, and going like this, think about the value of it, not just to people, but just to myself in general. But, Mm -hmm. um, because I think it could be a big trap, which is a cool trap, but like to just go like, Oh, I'm going to go explore and try something. It's almost the equivalent, like the equivalent of like, if the Beatles, they kind of just went off and made like a riff, you know, and they just would share like and a riff like a just day. publish that, right? <laughs> yeah. And then they wouldn't make like Sergeant Pepper or something. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. Which Sergeant Pepper doesn't just come about like randomly. It's designed by time and, you know, like anything great. I think it just, it takes a lot of effort, and a lot of time as people know. But I think there's a, there's a, I, I really like, this is something I learned from Anthony. Anthony Scott Burns is that he, uh, he doesn't share a lot of stuff online and he works very insularly and very tightly mm-hmm. And he doesn't share until he has something crazy, but it's really interesting to me because he's got so much talent and such a machine and he's such a beast and his processes, I think is maybe it's more extreme the other way, but I think it's, there's a lot of value to that too. Like kind of keeping it away from the public eye and kind of waiting for it to be right. And then when it is, you just kind of go and blast away and, and you have something big to show because he's, he's, he just finished his, his feature film and it's like, it's incredible. And I don't think he would have been able to do that if he had just done every day is all the time. Well, yeah. You know? Cause you so. lose, you lose focus of the long term goal. I think when your short term yeah. goal every day is to have something to share. Um, yeah. So yeah. That's, that's, that's just unnatural. Actually, it's unnatural to think yeah. that you need to share something every day. Um, I think sometimes it's like you can just, you know, like take a rest on it and think about it and don't feel like you have to. But I mean, yeah, if, if, if only people in general could see what I'm creating every day, it would it'd be pretty nuts because some days <laughs> I'll create like 40 things, you know, right. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. But then it goes to a director who will never make the film and then nobody will ever see the thing, you know, right. I'm like, well, there goes 40 things I could have shared. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. then some days I'm like, I just, you know, I, I'm doing emails and building spreadsheets. And so it's a different thing. So. Sure. Yeah. But there, I feel like that's a really interesting thing. That's a, it's a current day problem, I think more than anything. And I, and I really like for like Mike Winkleman, like people and stuff like that, it's like really interesting. I feel like his everydays are going to, they're already owning him as a person. Like it's not even like he has a choice anymore. Yeah. Like yeah. I have to wonder about that. Like I've met him a few times and I, I just, there's gotta be a massive amount of pressure to keep up that momentum after doing it for so long. Like how do you decide, like, do you stop someday? Like if I feel like you have to eventually, right? Because I don't know, there's just other things to do in life than feel chained to a computer every single day. But mm-hmm. maybe that's just me. I don't know. I think the work that he does is amazing and it's obvious that he's just a really powerful, creative person. Um, so I'm really curious to, uh, to see goes in the end. Yeah. Same. End. <laughs> yeah. They're same. I agree. And, um, I get him back on here and just have a big talk about that, but it's, I'm sure he doesn't want to talk about that. I don't know. Like, you know, like I, I try not to put any focus on it because when I talk with him, I try to just be like his friend rather than sure. like a weirdo person, like asking him stupid shit. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> Cause like, you know, that's gotta be annoying to be asked the same thing, but it is cool because if you look at it, like the amount of, um, energy that he's put behind it and how big that snowball has gotten. You know, like Joe Rogan's like, yeah, sharing his stuff. That's when you make it to like Joe Rogan's perspective or his site, I think that's really interesting, you know, like 
considering the impact that Joe Rogan himself has, he's more popular than most news channels and like, it's really crazy to think media. about. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, but so again, I think the thing is, is like he's been doing it for so long that it is actually a bigger project, you know, because of his trajectory. So right. to counter what we were saying earlier, it's like, yeah, maybe it, it's, it's totally makes sense. And well, is, yeah, I mean, in the case of like, you know, Joe Rogan or Beeple, I think that like, the everydays are the big long-term project, right? And yeah, so in exactly. that case, like it is serving the same purpose. Um, and yeah. you know, it is something that you can look back on at the end and you know, you have this massive body of work and it's really awesome. Um, so there's definitely two sides to that coin. Yeah. Also the same thing. It's like, you know, you, this is like, a it's all a design, you know, and like it's a life design and like Joe Rogan has it with like his podcast, you know, he's done, I don't know how many, it's like 1500 episodes or something like, so JRE um, podcast, he's on like 100, 1,300, <laughs> no, he's got 1,355 episodes. I mean, that's it's insane. really crazy. And you should listen if you get a chance, if you're interested, I, I am interested in this because uh, I'm trying to be better at, doing podcasts myself just in general, because I think it's important to be better. And I used to it just the growth, you know, and if you watch some of his early ones in comparison to now, I mean, he, he also has like insane guests on, which makes it really easy. I think easier, at least I, mm-hmm. sh- I shouldn't say easy, easier because these guests, they like Joe Rogan doesn't talk a lot anymore because like, well he does, but like his guests are so powerful that, they carry it all. Oh yeah. My, my, than- my favorite episodes of his podcast are the ones where he brings in someone who he's never spoken to before and is super interested in whatever it is that they, you know, whatever it is that they do. Um, cause it's always like becomes a super in-depth discussion. Um, and it's really interesting. Yeah. I really, I think, um, I think that's a really smart approach and I think it's just leads to his curiosity, you know, like the things that he's interested in, mm-hmm. um, they end up becoming something interesting. So, but yeah, it's, I don't know, um, on that tangent, but I think personal projects and stuff. Yeah. I know, you know, this as well. And this is something that when we were talking and working together, um, on school and classes together and, um, we were doing stuff together in my class, like the biggest thing I kept pushing to you is like, just keep doing your personal projects, man. Keep focusing on that. And you were so stoked and lucky to have a really great workplace that allowed you to kind of scratch that itch and, and learn these things and pursue it. And so it's really cool. It's really cool to see kind of how it's progressed and, and the value of personal projects I think are so important, um, obviously. So, yeah, well, thanks man. Um, and I'm, I'm very fortunate now too, because, you know, I work at Oculus now, which, um, I think the, it's actually a really nice place in terms of work-life balance. So I feel like, you know, I have lots of time now. Um, you know, it's, it's very rare that I have to work late on anything for my day job, which means I have all of this time, you know, in the evenings and weekends to spend on, you know, whatever I want basically. So it's, it's allowed me to, you know, have space to explore all of these different things. And I'm also like getting to use a lot more of the tools that I learned in my free time, you know, for my day job now, like, you know, Cinema 4D and Redshift and all of these things, Substance Designer, um, a little bit of Houdini. I was actually really excited because um, a couple of weeks ago, um, the first like thing that I've ever made in Houdini, um, professionally, I should say, 
I've done a lot of like you know, noodling around with it in my free time, but like the first big thing that I've ever used it for professionally, um, was released. And, uh, we do like a conference every year, um, at Oculus where, you know, we announce new products or you invite all of the developers that make, you know, VR content for our platform to come and, you know, listen to talks and meet each other and network and stuff like that. The, the conference always has, you know, branding of some sort that we do ourselves. And, um, I was really lucky that, uh, you know, I heard through the grapevine that the marketing team was, you know, working on the branding for our next conference and they had some art direction that they had decided upon, but they needed some help figuring out how to create the visuals for it. And so I just went home one night and like opened up Houdini and, and just made some stuff that I thought might be cool. And I showed it to them the next day and they decided to like use my like Houdini process to like generate all mm -hmm. of their sort of, uh, all these like super massive, like abstract color fields, um, for this conference. And, you know, I got to work with a really cool agency to like help us flesh everything out and, you know, talk to their Houdini and sort of show them how I had built the, uh, the system and everything. And, um, it was really cool because, you know, up until that point, like Houdini had just been something that I have been like noodling around with in my spare time and, mm -hmm. you know, feeling kind of inferior when I see all these really amazing things that are being done with it professionally. Um, so to like finally be able to say like, yes, you know, I used Houdini to do something that, you know, everyone got to see and it was a, a big part of a branding and everything. And I was super satisfied with, you know, the work that I had done. Um, that was really rewarding. Um, so I, it takes a long time sometimes before, you know, the things that you try to, to learn in your free time sort of come to fruition in that way where you're able to actually incorporate them into your professional work. Um, but that was like a, a really cool moment for me. So I was, I was very excited about that. I'm so proud yeah. of you, dude. That's, oh, thanks, that's, it makes me so happy. You can't see me cause we're doing audio, but I'm smiling. So it makes me so happy. <laughs> I want everybody, I want everybody to, to, to have this when you're, when you're in that moment and you're really having these, these are genuine, pure, real experiences that you, that like life is based on and you, you want to have as many of them as possible. It really is like so important to have these moments where you're like, you're, you know, like, it's like the cool thing is that I'm picking up from you and I'm hoping everybody else is, is that you're self-made on all the levels. Like you're like, I'm curious. And then I saw an opportunity and I took the responsibility and like opened my mind. And now I'm willing to like learn music and try to be a noob again and then try that. And then I wanted to, you know, this, the, the thing that you talk learning and doing something like that's what I do. Like, I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And you, you know, like the thing is, is nobody will take a risk on you, but if you won't take one on yourself and like, if you take the time and you go and put it in on yourself and you're like, Oh, you know, like, um, God, there's so many things I can't talk about cause there's a lot of projects and <laughs> I'm trying to like, trying to think if I can come up with a, an example that was similar is like, um, oh, man, it's a bummer. Like all the client stuff, like they can't, I can't talk about Top any secret. of it, but yeah, but it's like, um, like cars or for example, like I was just doing those for fun. And oh yeah. I, I know the story about the, um, the Kazi project that you did. Um, yeah, there you I go. got to, That's I funny. got to yeah. meet Billy, uh, Billy Chitkin at SIGGRAPH this past ah, year and awesome. got to talk to him about it. So that was super cool. Yeah. And you did a presentation on it and that was really yeah, cool. I was, I was there for that. It was really awesome. And props had just randomly emailed me and said, Hey, I'm a car guy. So are you, I noticed that if you ever need help. And then I was like, sure. Like, I mean, I could do it all myself, but it would just take too long. And right. it would just like, <laughs> you know, like making a car, like that's, it's just, man, poly modeling shit. It's like, oh yeah, it's a lot of work. It's very, it's a ton intensive. of work. 
to do it right, you know, and, um, Billy's just, he's, he's very well versed with cinema and he's just been really cool. And so we kind of work in a interesting way where we kind of share and pass the torch amongst each other. And also Leo, Leo Estevez too, yeah, yeah, yeah. 83 mm-hmm. too. So like, and, so, but yeah, that was like, I remember making these cars and then a friend of mine was at the house and oh, man, it would be really great if I was on a call with a friend, another friend, cause we were like, I was talking about something and I was like, it'd be cool if Ken saw these and was like, let's have this guy design my cars. And then my friend was like, Oh, well I know his, like his producer. And I was like, please link us up. And then, yeah, long story short is like a lot of late nights, a lot of hard work, a lot of focus. But, um, now Ken, like I, I was just texting Ken there like an hour ago, like him and our friends now. And it's <laughs> really so cool. Awesome. And yeah. it's, it all comes from, you know, this because you just said it, but it all comes from like you putting in the initiative to push the, the, put the energy and time into it. And when you really focus and you're wholeheartedly putting into it, like the universe responds, I think, you know, mm-hmm. not always, um, keep coming back to it again and again. Um, it's, I it's, think eventually you will, you will find that. It's like water dripping into rock and over eons, it creates a bowl, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's the same thing. And I agree um, because I was pretty relentless with it. Um, I hadn't done car stuff before. And that's what people are like, oh, what's, how how do you do, how did you get into car design? I'm like, I didn't, I just kind of made the, made the stuff that I felt was interesting. Right. And I made like, I don't know, like five different versions of different cars so that when I emailed when I emailed Ken for the first time and he responded and he was like, "What do you want to do?" I said, "I want to design all your cars," and uh, and then he didn't have a question because he, all my work spoke for itself. Right, you could just show him like, "Hey, here's the five cars. Up. Yes. Check these out." <laughs> exactly, and then he was like, "Oh, okay." Like there was no there was no like, "Oh, I don't know." Like, show me your work, or not. it's like I already had my business card ready, you know. So right, and I think so much of life is 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 all about that for me at least. It's like you, you have a passion, whatever it is, you got to find it and focus in on it. Who gives a shit what people think? Just focus on it. It could be the weirdest thing. As long as you're not hurting yourself or anybody else, obviously, like you get that. And then you just put everything that you have into it. And sure enough, it's going to manifest. It's, I mean, I'm living proof of it. So are you. Um, there's so many people that have done that and people often like myself included, we want until we're given it, you know, Mm-hmm. And you have to be the first person to get there. Um, and yeah, that's, it's, um, man, manifestation is the fucking, that's the best shit ever because <laughs> you earn it and you're like, dude, I made that. Nobody can take that away from you. Like it's fact, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's just super satisfying to, to, you know, spend so much time and so many hours doing something and then to finally, you know, have it pay off in some way. But I think, like I said before, like it is really cool and I'm super happy that I got the opportunity to do that project. But even if I hadn't, it would still like all of the time that I put into this would have been worth it anyway, because, you know, the reason why I do it is just because it's fun, to be honest. Like I, if it used for any professional like purpose, I would still open it up all the time and mess around in there just because it's something that I'm passionate about and something that I genuinely just enjoy. Um, so it's really cool. I think for me to, you know, to have those things that you can go to, um, that are just fun for you and just, you know, really satisfying to mess around with. Um, and then when they do become things that, you know, you can utilize in your career in some way, um, it's even more satisfying. Um, but it's one of those things where I think if you're only just waiting for that thing to happen, like you're doing something because, 
you think that like, oh, if I keep doing this, then one day, you know, that perfect opportunity is going to show up. Um, and so I just need to like stick with it. Like that's true. Um, but I also really valuable to just do things because you enjoy them and like not mm-hmm. be like looking for, like keep your ear to the ground, you know, for opportunities to come up, yeah. but like not have that be like the main like motivator for what you're doing. Because like, that's the thing with music. Like I probably won't ever, well, I don't know. I have no idea what I'll do with music, but <laughs> I'm, see, I'm yeah. at a point right now where like, I don't know enough to like do anything real. It's just a fun thing for me to mess around with. And like, that's, that's good enough because that's, you know, I'm just enjoying the process and like enjoying putting my brain into a position where I have no idea what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm trying to learn something new and, you know, building, building new like neural connections and so forth. Um, it's just super satisfying. Um, even when it's really hard in the beginning. Um, so it's <laughs> good that you look, it's what the, I think what we're talking about, what we're riffing on is really like we're writing our own destiny. Um, and like, we're just putting it out there. And so much of life is about writing your own destiny. You know, it's like the things that you do, like you're putting it out there and you're continually working towards it, you know, and that's so important. And if you really like, so like I said, like my, um, my narrative for the Ken Block thing was I'm going to build these cars because I love cars in general and I'm going to do it anyways. And I need to learn all these programs. So might as well use this as a way to, to learn because I mean, honestly, before Octane, I didn't really get into CGI all that much at all, like at all. And then um, Chris and I made Epoch 1 and we just did 2 and we both love that stuff. And then I got to meet Chris um, about a Chris month Byer? ago. Yeah. yeah awesome. he, I, didn't I think you guys are in the in same San city. Francisco. Yeah, you guys are same, same city. Yeah, awesome. I bumped into him at an event and it was super cool to talk to him. He's such a sweet guy. Yeah. Chris is so nice. I love that guy. Um, it also made me think about, uh, some, something, I don't know if you've listened to it. I posted it up a couple of times. You might've caught it, but, um, Naval has this podcast. Yeah, I did listen uh, to that like uh, a oof. week ago or so. Oh that man. Was, yeah. <laughs> How fucking <laughs> good is that? Podcast. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. It's so Real next level. Under me. <laughs> well, the, the thing that I, that you're talking about really, it's, um, it comes up, uh, it's come up in every podcast now. And I strongly suggest if you check it out, it's Naval's podcast. Let me look it up. I use, um, an app called overcast to, for all my, all my podcasts and let me find the actual name. So go to Naval it's, and then Naval has a website, NAV.AL, but it's a, uh, how to get re- rich every episode. And it's, uh, like two and a half hours. But there was a time, there was a thing that he was talking about luck and you said, you said the word luck and, and brought up the word lucky a few times and we'll get into that in a minute. But, um, I think what you mean and this is what I mean is like, there's no real such thing, but if you put yourself in the position and he brought up the whole, like if you're a deep sea diver and that's what you've been spending your life and focus and your time on and your skill that eventually somebody's going to need that you're going to be paid for your time because you've put the time in to do that. Sure. You know? Sure. No, so I, that's the Houdini thing or it's me with the octane car stuff or whatever. You know? Yeah. So. When I use the word luck, I just mean like, you know, being in the right place at the right time when an opportunity makes itself, you know, uh, presents itself to you. Um, but obviously like you have to be set up properly to like take advantage of that opportunity when it comes. Right. And that comes through, yeah. I'm just putting the work in. Um, so, you know, there's definitely been times, you know, like w- what I was talking about, you know, with minimal before where, you know, it was just like a timing thing where like, you know, a certain person, you know, Dustin Brown had left and like it created an opportunity for me to, 
you know, to be a person and learn all these things like, you know, that opportunity existed and I was fortunate to be there at the time, but I still had to, you know, have the motivation to take advantage of it and, you know, have the, uh, the, the, the passion to like spend all of my free time learning how to do these things so that I could properly, you know, take advantage of that opportunity when it presented itself. So it's, it's definitely like, I think luck is kind of a, a, a strange word to, um, because I mean, there, I guess there are certain things where, you know, things just happen to you that you could never have predicted and you're in the right place at the right time, but all the preparation that you've done before and, and just the passions that you bring to the table and the things that make you who you are, um, kind of, of, of those opportunities. So, well, the irony too, is for people that don't know is that Tim has 25 kids <laughs> and he manages to do all this stuff while he still has all these kids. That's definitely I don't understand true. it. And he doesn't even pay child support. He's a beast. <laughs> You want to talk about your road trip across the States? I'm just joking. (laughs) You're you're like, I was going to have my mom listen to this. Thanks a lot. I uh, sit in my apartment behind my computer and, um, you single guy, you single guy. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Sounds, that sounds very millennial, but uh, (laughs) it's complicated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is complicated. I can't imagine. I'm so glad that I don't have to deal with dating and stuff at this. This is a weird time. Yeah, I think. It's, it's a it's, very weird time. Um, I don't know how yeah. much you want to get into that topic of conversation, but, so um, I don't care. Yeah. You don't it, have to talk about art only. So <laughs> no, I just, I don't know. I, I think the Bay area in particular, because like, you know, dating apps have really taken over. Um, it just feels like very superficial and it feels like there's no opportunity for you to sort of, take the time necessary to really get to know somebody to decide whether or not they're worth your time. Um, mm-hmm. cause everyone's just looking at images and like, you know, swiping to the next person, the next person, the next person. If you say something that doesn't quite strike them in the right way, then they're on to the next person. And I feel like it's so much more rewarding to meet people organically, like who you have some kind of a common ground with in the first place. Yeah. Um, because then like you can actually take the time to like get to know them and you have, uh, in common together. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, I'm, I'm like very much over the, uh, <laughs> the can imagine right now. It's just like, it feels so, um, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm not, I try not to be a very superficial person. Um, I'm definitely, you don't seem like it. You ways, seem very, like, we seem very authentic with like your approach to things. You yeah. Know? When it's it, like, when it comes to relationships, I feel like, you know, cause it should be. Right? Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. it shouldn't be a superficial thing. So when my wife and I decided to really like, when we first started dating we really started to take ourselves, our relationship seriously. I remember saying to her, like, look, I don't read minds. I'm not like, let's just start from the base. Let's go to zero and let's both disagree to trust one another and put like a hundred percent of like, full focused effort and energy towards our relationship, no compromising. And let's just not, no bullshit, you know? And I think when we leveled out, I think it really helped us. Um, but I, I don't know how you would do that now, I guess. I mean, everything is different. I can't judge, you know, I don't want to be like, everybody sucks, you know? So, yeah. So <laughs> no, I think, I think, you know, most people are good people. It's just, um, yeah, most people are. Yeah, it's all of the, there's just so many different things that are kind of influencing the way that we sort of meet each other and interact with each other. And a lot of it is like big tech companies that are, you know, influencing the way that our, our social lives exist now and how we, how much time we spend on our phones and versus like having conversations with people in person and, yeah. you know, all these different things. Um, 
It's definitely tough. It's not easy. That's for sure. And I, I can't I, imagine. So I can't imagine like being a kid right now, like growing <laughs> up with all these things. My daughter's 14. It's yeah. just like, I think oh, about man. that all the time. Like daughter, you, what's wrong with you? Not joking. (laughs) No, I just mean like, um, I think about a lot because I was born at a time like before, um, you're young, right? I'm, I'm 27. Okay. Yeah. Um, You're pretty young. So I'm pretty young, but I, um, nine years older than you. (laughs) Who's your daddy? So you're ancient. (laughs) I am super ancient, dude. Did you just swipe left or how does that work? Do you swipe left or right? (laughs) (laughs) He's too old. (laughs) No, but what I, what I think about all the time is like, you know, I was, I was born at a time before like Facebook was a thing. And so now like I see people who are parents like posting so many, like their entire like kids sort of childhood is like on social media. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm just imagining like being that kid and like growing up and like suddenly realizing public information (laughs) on the internet, basically like all of these photos of all these things that you've done. And like, you didn't have a say in that. Like that wasn't some, a decision that you got to make. That was a decision your parents made for yeah. you. And I don't know. It's just, that's something that weirds me out a lot. Um, now you're being sold so tied I, laundry detergent and you don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Mom. Yeah, I don't know. And, and it's very interesting because, you know, I, I work for Facebook. Oculus is owned by Facebook. And so getting to see the, um, the inside of how a company like that operates is very interesting. Um, and like, and honestly, a lot of it has been, um, a positive experience for me because I think on the outside, like all the media coverage is so negative and focused on like all the things that the tech companies are doing wrong. Um, and there's a lot of negative things that are, there's more positive and negative though. Yeah. Well, in some, some aspects, I think that like, I just think that, you know, when, we have a tendency of focusing on the negatives all the time yeah. and there are a lot of them to focus well, that's on. That's how we evolved. Basically um, if we didn't, we'd be right. by the lion in the jungle basically. <laughs> exactly. It's very, it's very difficult. I think to see the big picture of the impact that a lot of these things are having on the world, yeah. positive and negative. Um, but I think the one thing that has very, has been like a super, um, I guess, nice surprise about working at a company like, Facebook is just the amount of discourse that goes on within the company about all these Mm. issues. It's not like everyone's just sitting behind their desks, like pretending that the impact that they have on the world doesn't exist or like isn't important. Um, Like everyone cares super deeply about the work that they're doing. And I think that like, you know, yeah, Facebook is an advertising company and like makes its money that way. And that's not really an awesome thing. But at the same time, like, you know, when it comes to things like you know, politics or elections or, you know, all of the sort of controversies that have happened in the past, you know, since like 2016, I guess, um, you know, people care really deeply about those issues and trying to prevent stuff like that from happening Mm -hmm. again. Um, and, you know, trying protecting, trying to protect, um, you know, people's data and try and, you know, promote discourse that is, is healthy and, you know, pushes, uh, you know, doesn't sort of force people into these sort of bubbles where like echo chambers, I guess, where they can kind of, you know, have all of these really negative ideas that just get sort of compounded over time because they hear the same things all the time. Um, I think it's a really difficult thing to solve because if you think about the scope of the size of the company, like it's, it's too big to you control, know, man. It's huge. It's yeah. It's like, it not only is the company so large, but also just the number of people on the platform it's, you know, it's in the billions yeah. And when you think about that, it's like, well, you know, how can any one person like 
solve some of these problems. Um, it's, it's really, it's a massive challenge. Um, so I, I have like a new perspective on it and I think probably a lot more nuanced perspective on it than I would have had otherwise. Sure. Um, so I'm thankful for that experience cause I think it's, we're living in interesting times. Um, it's, it's nice to kind of understand what some of these sort of influences are and, and how things are actually working. Yeah. So. And no, nothing is ever as it seems like, and I think anytime anybody's like, it's like whenever anybody says is like when they have a black and white opinion on things, they usually a, they don't know what they're talking about or B are too emotional about the reaction to things. And so anytime you have that, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, like it's never that, you know, it's never that hard. Like it's never, it's only this thing. There's a couple, there's only a few subjects in life that I think can be that polarizing in there. And, and yeah. but I think the rest of it, it's very in a gray, it's in a gray zone, you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, such a big topic. I, I wasn't even, I, I haven't, I've stopped watching news years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. I don't watch very much. News I, tr- either. <laughs> I try to remove news and, and news in general from my life in general, because I've come to the term where I'm like, you know what? Like it's not going to do me any good to, to it's going to make me stir up and go crazy. So the time I worked on that, that great hack film, I had to kind of get up to speed with this stuff. And I was like, this is disgusting. This right. is crazy. Like I couldn't believe it, but at the same time I could because ultimate power corrupts ultimately, you know, really, if you think about it. So, <laughs> and at the same time, I, yeah. I can't like, I don't know, like my science might sound stupid, but it's like, you can't, judge really because i mean you can sure you can judge all day but it's like okay what are we going to do to make this better or work or be right uh, or work better you know and so it's like it's an incredibly complicated thing but it is interesting and yeah like um even with our daughter like i i've removed um almost everything from facebook in regards to like personal stuff and i just recently deleted every tweet i ever made yeah <laughs> and twitter <laughs> is like gnarly and like if there's a lot of these weird things that happen with people and their careers, like, you know, like, year, like 10 years later, oh, they're yeah, like, you like, said this thing. And they're like, oh, dude, I, that was 10 years ago. You know, of course I'm going to say something yeah, stupid. Like think about, <laughs> yeah. Like if, oh my gosh, I've said so many embarrassing things when I was like in oh, high dude, school. Like I can't imagine like that stuff being out there on the internet and people digging it up. It's like you, people change, like it's natural and you shouldn't hold people um, I mean, like maybe if you, if you murdered somebody or, you know, did something really terrible like that, then that's something you should be held accountable for. But like, you know, things that you say and like opinion change and should be allowed to change. And people I think should be given some, some leeway and some, um, sort of consideration and understanding, um, for, you know, negative things that they've done in the past. Um, if they've, you know, shown that they've changed over time, um, cause we all do, we're all, works in progress. Right. Yeah. And I think that's really what it comes down to. And it comes down to like empathy and people being really okay with like empathizing with one another and going like, okay, shit, like, you know, like we, we all do stupid shit and we all have things that we need to work on and we will be better and we have to be better and we have to like, you know, move forward in the future towards a better goal. But it's like, yeah, this whole like martyr system, like, Oh my God, I can't believe you said that thing that one time. Wow, man. Like, haven't you said something stupid? And usually those are the people that, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I don't want to go onto the rant on this because it's just a waste of yeah, breath. Yeah, it yeah. really is stupid. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would, if you haven't listened to it, I'd strongly suggest listening to the Naval's podcast. It's two and a half hours. Oh, I, I did. I did. Yeah. And I'm just saying anybody listening. listening to, but like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I listen to it like at least once a month, usually like on cleaning day, I'll just put it on and I'll just like listen <laughs> to him. 
It's awesome. It's so valuable. My goodness. Like there's so many incredible like nuggets of thought. It's like, it's like all the things that I've read and like kind of, they're all kind of summarized in that podcast, like in a higher level, you know, it's really cool. Yeah. I think people also should like not be put off by the title because it's called, you know, oh, how yeah. to get rich. Yeah, he says but, that, like, it's yeah. not really it's about money and like how to, you know, uh, but I think it's, it's more about just how to find your way in the world and how to sort of develop yourself as, you know, a person who can be successful in whatever it is that you decide to do. Yeah. Um, and you rich know, has many to, different meanings. Yeah, exactly. Like not rich in terms of money, but also just rich in terms of knowledge and in terms of skills and in terms of just happiness. Life as well. experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. And designing so, a life. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. Don't be off put by the title because the title definitely um, can be off putting in a sense, but yeah, it's, it's so good. I love it so much. It's such a good one. And that's something I think like, really feeds into, um, you know, I think what we're after. So at least yeah, well, thank you for sharing that because you're the one who, um, I, and I'm, I mean, it's, <laughs> if it's, if it's something great, I will share it to the ends of the earth. Like I've shared, um, mastery so many times people always ask me, I'm like, just read this book. Here you go. Yep. Read eat that frog. Don't just read it, but apply it and watch your life change. <laughs> like it literally is like a adding water kind of thing. Um, I know we got to wrap up here in a minute, but I was going to ask sure. you a little bit more about like you're a person of manifestation, you're a person of like going out and getting things and making them happen and like kind of pursuing your own creative bliss, uh, I guess I would say. Um, mm -hmm. Are you currently manifesting the next stage and can you talk about that and what would that be? <laughs> um, honestly, I feel like that's like a really big question. You say that because I think that when I look at myself, I just see like somebody who's like really curious and like really passionate about trying things. Um, and I almost don't, I don't have any kind of like master plan for where I want my career to go or like what necessarily like what specific types of projects I want to do in the future. Um, I kind of just follow the things that are interesting to me at the time, because that's the easiest thing for me to focus on. Mm. Like if you're really passionate about something, then it's really easy to spend time doing it yeah. versus like trying to force yourself to spend time doing something that you're not passionate about. Um, so I feel like a lot of the things that I've tried to do in the past like year or so are just like creating space for me to spend more time focusing on the things that, um, I really want to learn and want to do saying no to a lot of things that people want me to do because, you know, I'm have sort of become known as like a product visualization expert. And so I get a lot of like, you know, requests for freelance work and stuff like that. And I turn down almost all of them because, you know, I have a really amazing day job that is very satisfying and fulfilling and where I get to work with a lot of really talented, creative people. Um, I don't feel the need to do more projects for other people outside of that. Um, occasionally like I will, if it's a friend or if it's someone that just has like a really amazing project, but for the most time or for the most part, I just, um, try and make as much space as I can for me to just spend time exploring things that are interesting to me and seeing where that takes me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, music is one of those things like, um, Houdini and generative design is another one. Um, and I don't necessarily, when I, when I do these things, I don't necessarily have like, a a plan for like what I want to get out of it. Even, um, it's just, 
Like if I'm passionate about it, then I know that I'm going to get something out of it that's valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the fun thing about that is not knowing like how these different things are going to come together mm-hmm. in the future. Because like if you just go out there and like learn you know, five different things, like who knows how you're going to be able to combine. There may be like connections between things that you don't even see in the beginning because, you know, you're just starting out learning something. Um, Like, for example, like I'm really excited about the idea of being able to, you know, take sounds that I've created and then feed them into Houdini to create, you know, music visualizers or things like that, mm-hmm. um, or like create, you know, designs that respond to sound in different ways. Um, and that's just something that I think would be fun. I don't have any particular like, you know, goal for, uh, what I want to create with that. Um, but I just, I enjoy finding those kind of connections between things. And I feel like, you know, the, the more sort of like general that I make my skill set and like the more different things that I spend time learning, like the more of these connections you start to see between things. And, you know, I like to think that, um, there, you know, there's kind of a, uh, debate about like whether it's better to be like a specialist or whether it's Mm -hmm. better to be a generalist and, you know, how do you devote your time to learning different things? How do you prioritize that? Um, I'm always of the opinion that like being a generalist is, is better as long as you have like one thing that you can point to and be like, you know, I know that I can get a job doing this thing because obviously like getting a job is important or being able to put food on the table is important. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you spread yourself too thin in the beginning, I think it's really hard to, um, you know, be employable or, or be someone that, uh, people will reach out to for a specific thing. Mm. Um, but if you have that already, then I think like being a generalist and like trying to expand the boundaries of, of what you know how to do into different areas that are interesting to you is super valuable because like I said before, you know, you'll find all of these connections between things that, um, you know, other people might not see because they haven't spent the time to sit down and learn things that are outside of their comfort zone. Um, So I think like for me, like, you know, I don't have any, um, you know, I've got projects that I'm working on, you know, like the, the game, uh, the building sort of tool is a big thing that I want to spend a lot more time on, uh, developing, um, just for myself, if not for other people, like I would love to get that to a place where I'm happy with it and, you know, ready to share it with other people and see what they can create with it. Um, but it's a long time before that's going to be, uh, you know, ready to happen. And so, I'm trying to just enjoy the process of, you know, learning programming and learning unity and really excited when things work that you've been like, it's, it's so satisfying to like spend like four days, like programming something Hmm. and then like put it in to the game and like have it actually work, Hmm, um, have all of the like logical steps that you thought through in your head, you know, actually sort of come to fruition and produce something that is, you know, functional and functions the way that you, sort of that was supposed to from the beginning. Um, I love that feeling of like accomplishment that comes from, you know, working on something really difficult and, you know, trying to solve a problem. And then, you know, the moment when it all comes together is, um, is really satisfying for me. So that's, I don't have anything else to add. I think it's, (laughs) I don't have any like, um, master plan or anything other than just continuing to learn things and, you know, continuing to focus on stuff that is interesting to me and, see where my passion takes me. Um, and yeah, and then just try and surround myself with, you know, really creative people. I think one of the things that, um, this is amazing for is that, you know, I get to work with some just amazing, amazing artists who come from all different backgrounds. Like we have, 
you know, people from industrial light and magic, you know, people from like the video game industry who worked on like Halo and, you know, big AAA video games like that. And, you know, all these people are kind of collected together in one place, um, doing a really wide variety of different things. Um, but just being surrounded by that and being surrounded by people who are like truly masters at, you know, what they have chosen to, to do, um, is amazing. And it's just like cool to get lunch with people and like talk to them about their background and talk to them about the work that they're doing now and you know what they're passionate about. Um, so I'm super, like, I'm super thankful to, to have that, um, as a thing that I get to experience my job. Um, it makes it really a super fulfilling place to work. So. Epic. Dude, I love it. I'm so stoked that you came on. I, we're going to have to do another one. Um, whenever you're ready or whenever you want to, um, because yeah, yeah, your, your energy and your perspective and your manifest, like all this stuff, it, it, it's really, um, for me and I'm no, I'm sure for everybody else it's very conducive. So, and it's very, well, thank like, you so much. Yeah, it's awesome. I just, I'm stoked that you're here and I'm stoked that you exist. And I stoked <laughs> that you, you put, you spend those times, those, that time in your computer and your, in your mind and getting these things out and stuff. So um, because if I think I could, it's like, you know, it's great. So, yeah, if I could add one thing before we finish up, um, Please. I just want to say like how meaningful it is, um, to, to be on the collective podcast. Cause like I said, in the beginning, you know, this podcast is things that put me on this path and inspired mm-hmm. me to, to go off and start learning things on my own after school. So, um, I feel like doing this with you is sort of like completing a big circle that mm-hmm. I've been, uh, have been on for the past, like, uh, I guess four years now. So, wow. um, it's super meaningful to me. I know like for you, it's just an opportunity to talk to a cool person who's doing creative things. But for me, it's like, you know, this is a really meaningful experience. And so, um, I have to thank you for giving me the opportunity to do this because, um, it's super cool. So, damn, I hate taking, I can't take compliments. Well, all I can say is like, <laughs> you're fucking welcome. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm ingratiated to you for, for, for even listening to it. And, and at the same time, I think that the thing that to take away continually learning. So this is great that this is just one piece of the many circles that you're going to do. And this is like, it's cool to complete this, but at the same time, like it's cool to think like, okay, what is next? You know? Right. What's and the next then what's the next and next. Yeah. What's the next circle? Exactly. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. No, it's so rad, dude. Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Super stoked. And um, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm pumped up, man. I'm pumped up. So. <laughs> so am I. All right. That was awesome. So stoked that we got a chance to do this episode. Thank you, Tim, so much from the bottom of my heart for coming on this show and just being awesome. Really appreciate it. Um, thank you for, to um, just everybody out there for listening. Um, you can find links to the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 217. Um, we have the store on there. We have all kinds of stuff. Um, support the podcast if you want. Buy some cool swag. Um, dress yourself up. Make yourself look awesome. Um, I think that's going to be it. I hope that you've this episode resonated with you and it gives you that kick in the butt that you need. And um, you know how it goes. Everybody go out there. Be powerful. Be prolific. Peace out, everybody.